The Tennessee Titans talk. Get excited. Landon, nine days until the NFL draft. Nine more days of really bad mock drafts, really suspect draft analysts making some really bad assumptions and picks. So our listeners know that Landon doesn't like things, and we love <laughs> that Landon doesn't like things. And Landon sends us things throughout the day. We like the mock drafts, the picks in particular that are the most offensive. Uh, John and I and our friend Derry get the privilege to, to see his reaction to those. Before the show tonight, we were uh, reading a seven-round Titans mock draft. Hit and miss. Phil, if people did this all the time or did it for a living, they'd have a better feel for some obvious things. But it's that time of year, right, big fella? Oh, yeah. This is our time of the year. This is what we thrive for. We football nerds, we suffered through the trials and tribulations of our fantasy football teams, and then we wait for the spring, and that's where that's where we really get to the nitty-gritty. And the three of us, we've had so many awesome memories, you know, from the 2017 draft going to Philly, and then watching the, the 2018 draft at Nissan Stadium, and then being downtown for the 2019 draft. It's been really incredible, and, you know, this is just such a fun time for us, and I think it's just... The possibilities are endless. I have lots of memories of the draft with you. Uh, In 2016, on a Friday night, I was at your house watching the second round, and you refused to let me leave to go on a date with a girl, because, literally because she was from New Jersey. I still stand by that. It's like, oh, she sounds great. She's really nice. Uh, Where's she from? Oh, she's from New Jersey. Straight face. I mean, no no joke. He's like, no. No, you're not going to that. No, don't. Don't talk to her. Yeah, done. Well, lots of memories. A lot of them uh, have nothing to do with the pigs with the three of us. We've just had a lot of great times. And I have a feeling um, in nine days we're going to have more good times and hopefully more good Titans. We're going to do a seven-round Titans-only mock draft. Who knows who they're going to pick? It's going to be available for them to pick, right? We're not picking in the top five. I think the best use of this is just to get some names in your head. You know, there are more than 200 players taken. We usually focus on... 15 or 20 is the guys that are out there who might be a fit. So when they're rolling through on day two and day three, Oh, I've heard of that guy. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, we just kind of want to get you familiar with that next level mainly. And then our, our, our picks at the top also, uh, that that's more of who we hope will, will be there at 22. And, and again, at 53, I feel like last year, last year's draft was John Robinson's worst. And I know the sample size every year is uh, always small. I mean, seven or eight picks. There's obviously luck and other circumstances involved there. It was easily his worst draft in, I think, five that he's had here. Was that a testament to, since he's kind of a grassroots scout at heart, was all the COVID stuff, all the the lack of, you know, getting in there with guys and, and, and seeing guys more, did that hurt Robinson? Was it just bad luck? Should we shake that off? Or since this offseason is similar to last, do you guys worry at all that we're going to be shooting with a, a full holster here in nine days? We'll start with you, Big Vella. Part of it, yeah, he definitely has to own it. You know, he's a GM. He calls the shots and makes those selections for us. And COVID or not, the Isaiah Wilson thing, that was going to blow up. Let's just call it what it is. That was not the guy that we drafted that, that we saw just a couple of months ago. That was not the guy we drafted, not the guy we hoped to get with our first round pick. Big series of unfortunate events with everybody else. We saw flashes with Christian Fulton, but then the injuries kind of, led to him not doing much the rest of the season. Same with Darrington Evans. We didn't really see him a whole lot. Part of it might be the off-season program. And I can only imagine how difficult it is for a rookie to go through an off-season program like they had to do last 
last year, you know, their first taste of the NFL and here they are virtual and it's just not anything you dreamed of as a kid. Now, don't get me wrong. We saw a lot of the rookies thrive last year. It just seems like our draft class didn't show up a whole lot. And I don't, I put some of that on, like I said, I put some of that on Robinson. I put some of that on the situation, but we've got to figure it out um, in the next couple of weeks and next month. So we've got to figure it out and we've got to start hitting on these picks. We're too close to miss. Lena, what about you? What's your confidence level in J-Rob? I'm pretty sure I'm still almost all the way in. Four straight years of good to outstanding drafts, in particular 2019. Shouldn't be discarded off of one admittedly just outright awful 2020 draft class. And to be fair with Isaiah Wilson, literally no one in the NFL could have predicted how quickly he would spiral out of control. There were no character concerns, no maturity concerns. He was a good kid. Was he a reach? Absolutely. Should he have gone the first? Absolutely not. No one knew that he was never going to play in the NFL, get in trouble seemingly every week, and then get traded for a future seventh-round pick. Then with Fulton and Evans, yes, durability concerns year one aren't good, but they were durable players in college when Fulton wasn't getting suspended for weed. So I'm inclined to believe that they'll bounce back. And then it was just with the Ryan Tannehill trade, we didn't have a fourth, didn't have a mid-round pick where we've hit on the fourth round generally. Laurel Murchison, I don't know really what you can say or get insight into from last year's defense. And Cole McDonald, I, I agreed with the move at the time, just take a swing on an athletic quarterback, just see if you can get something in the seventh round. And Chris Jackson, grayed out as maybe the worst player in the NFL last year by PFF, but he's a player, he's a roster guy in the late seventh, so I'll take it. He shouldn't have been playing starter snaps. He should be your sixth or seventh defensive back, but it's something. Obviously, um, I think he's uh, done a great job in the aggregate. I don't mean I don't want anyone to think that I think he should be on the hot seat or anything. But I guess my point is: is this taking away some of the things that have made him advantageous and had him uh, as I think one of the better drafters in in his first three or four uh, drafts with full reins? Uh, an aberration, or maybe uh, you know this has got to affect some people in a negative way, some people in a positive way. So I think we'll find out sooner than later. In the NFL, guys play and they play early, so we know generally what they're going to give us, uh, you know, pretty soon. Guys, let's start a draft. We'll each uh, get a first round. Take a little while to talk that pick up, defend the fit. Let's start. As you guys know, we have the twenty-second pick. Wh- who's the pick here? Ideally, the pick is Greg Newsom or Caleb Farley, both cornerbacks. Farley probably the most talented cornerback, most talented coverage guy in this class. But injuries, two back surgeries in three years, an ACL injury year one of college, really concerning. And Newsom's stock has been shooting way up over the offseason process, especially with Farley's slide. Newsom seems to be more and more unlikely that he'll be there, but there's a good chance Farley will be there. And as fans, it's impossible for us to discern, is the medical history is it something that's going to be chronic? Is he never going to be able to play? Is he Kevin White, but with a bad back? A guy who I have on my top 10 of the big board, given injuries to other players, but Aziz Ojolari, edge rusher out of Georgia. He's small, only 6'2", 250, long arms, great speed, really well-rounded. A guy to me, he's the edge one in this draft class because of Jalen Phillips' concussion history. I know we signed Bud Dupree, but Harold Landry deserves a break. He can't play 90% of the snaps this year as well. Ojolari has a nice combination of floor and ceiling. He's got the speed we want on the outside, and he can anchor in the run game. 
I feel like the only person on this podcast that can say he's six two, two fifty. He's small. Is is the big fellow, right? But <laughs> he's um, tidy. <laughs> I, I love the idea of like Landon said of them being out of the box. They've never really attacked pass rush early except for Kevin Dodd years ago because they haven't found the guy. They haven't reached, and I'm okay with that. But uh, something like that would be fine with me. Who do you like at twenty two? Because I like where Landon's going. Bit out of the box there, go for high ceiling. For me, I would go Greg Newsom. Landon makes a point he may not be there. We've seen in the last two drafts, teams reach for corner. It's such a trait and such a skill since we have so many good receivers. Guys that can really show traits and play the game and have the physicality, they go earlier than they're supposed to. It's the next added position that is a, is of a premium is cornerback. And so uh, I don't think Newsom will be there. Um, giving J-Rob's track record, I don't think we'll pick Farley because of his myriad of, of injuries. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm right on track with you guys about position. And I watched quite a bit of tape on this guy, J.C. Horn. In all likelihood, he's not going to be there at 22. But if he is there at 22, that's my guy. <laughs> Let's do it. So let, let's just hypothetically say he's not. Uh, if he's there, I want him. If he's not there, there are a couple of guys I really like. I've really loved the film I saw on Micah Parsons. I think he could be interesting. It's probably right around that good range for him. But then also another guy that probably won't be there, but I really love is Quiddy Pay. I watched a lot of his game tape. It was against. Iowa, I think he had one of his best performances, a multiple sack game, and he was just wreaking havoc. And he's a bit he's a bit raw. Quiddy Pay is of course the defensive lineman for Michigan. Big time recruit, big time body, physical. Didn't have great production, but I just think Michigan does does put their players in great position, but not to interrupt you, but uh yeah, Qu- no, Quiddy Pay presumed to be there, but he could be there, but what do you like about him that kind of overcomes his lack of production? He's just a monster. He's an athletic specimen. Watching that tape against Iowa, we all know Iowa's propensity for putting out like first-round offensive linemen. They're tough. They like to run the ball. They block really well. Quiddy Pay is just pushing these dudes around. That's what we need. We need a Javon Curse type. We need somebody that we haven't seen in a while. And while I agree that corner is maybe our biggest need, we all saw what the what the Bucks did to the to the to the Chiefs. Granted, they had a banged-up offensive line, but they got after Patrick Mahomes like nobody has in a long time. Yeah. And that's, that's what we need. That's the only way to beat a great quarterback yeah. in that game. Totally, and that's what we need to get to that next level, to get past the AFC Championship game, get to the Super Bowl, and then win it. And, and like you said, we haven't really hit defensive end or edge rushers early in the draft since since Dodd, and that was a swing and a miss. I, I want us to take a you know dip our toe in that again and – Really pick somebody with some conviction. Well, guys, I'll wrap up with Newsom. Uh, like I said, he'd be my pick. Big, he's six foot two, got the frame. I think he's a J Rob guy. Like we said, he may not be there at 22. He's got the size, he's got the track record. Good, high character guy. Played for a while, all the tools, but we'll see. That's my dream pick 22. If we see like Arnett go last year at 16 or 18 or whatever. I don't see it. J.C. Horn, but I like his attitude and I like his demeanor. That's what it takes to be a good corner in this league. And, of course, I like Sertain and and, and other guys. So, I I think it's a good corner draft, and I'm glad because I think we need two, uh, one early and one late. Guys, let's go to 53. Landon, who's your ideal pick for us in the second round, pick 53? Asante Samuel Jr., cornerback, FSU. He's got the NFL bloodlines. Of course, his dad 
was a star for the Patriots. He's explosive. He ran a 4-4-40. Great speed numbers across board. Good agility numbers. The issue with, with Samuel is he's 5'10", 180 flat. Short arms, small hands for a cornerback. In the NFL, at cornerback, you have to have speed and you have to have size. He's only got one of those. He's going to be pigeonholed as a nickel corner or a fifth defensive back. His size is going to be an issue in the NFL, especially in the run game and in jump ball situations. But he's got the attitude. He's got the mentality. He's got the football IQ. He's got the pedigree. So he's going to be a productive player. It's just if he were six foot instead of 5'10", he'd be an easy first rounder. But size matters in the NFL. Your heart can only take you so far. Now, big fella, maybe I'm going off of how good his father was. But I know pedigree does play a part even in analytics because a lot of these guys who had a father that played in or mother that played in any professional level or high college, they do benefit from the mental toughness or whatever that kind of translates. But big fella, will you be surprised to see Asante Samuel Jr. at 53? Because I would. The way Landon talks him up, what I've seen, I would love it if he were there. But w- would that surprise you? Well, I actually love the pick, and I would agree with Landon 100%. If we don't take J.C. Horn in our, at 22, I would love to take Samuel there. I think a lot of teams are scared off, like Landon said, by his size. But I'll tell you what, I watched quite a bit of tape on this guy, too. He makes up for his size with his aggressiveness and his ability to jump routes, and that's why he's so successful. 5'10", yeah, it's a problem, but he never gives receivers an opportunity to get a jump ball. He jumps a ton of routes, and he's usually right more than he's not. Like you said, the pedigree, he knows what it takes to succeed at this level. And I think his attitude and his swagger and his ability to make big plays are what can make him be a really great value pick. And I would love to take him. 5'10", 185 would make me a little leery because you guys know how I am about just kind of the prototypical height, weight, speed, and production in the first round. At 53, I'd be fine with getting a nickel. I mean, a nickel's out there like 70% of the time. So, uh, yeah, I, I think he looks the part, and he's not like 5'5". Five, five. I mean, he's that's good enough for me at 53. I'd celebrate it that one, too. I like a Carlos Bassam Jr., the edge rusher from Wake Forest. I think some people are going to be turned off about, you know, I think he's he gets a little big, and people are worried he's going to eat himself into like an interior role. I see a guy that just gets after a really tough football player, a guy that J-Rob would like. You know, he had a lot of tackles for loss uh, last year, I think 23. Played three years, I think. Uh, he was just on the field constantly at Wake Forest. I like guys that play in a good conference and kind of a, a – a lesser thought of team. They've just got to carry the day. The offensive line is always looking for for that guy. If he's playing for Wake, uh, I think he's tough. You know, at 53, I think that's right around the area for him. You know, we've we've taken our swings and misses at edge. We have heavily invested in edge because of what you said earlier, big fellow, about the Tampa Bay, and you can walk back a bunch of other Super Bowl winners. It's got to be a bunch of guys coming, and we've added in free agency. We already have Simmons. You know, I'd love to see a guy like this join um, the fall. Have you guys watched much tape on Carlos Bassham? Do you, do you guys have a take on him? I haven't watched a lot of him yet, but, I mean, just looking at his stats and his, his stature, he's 6'5", 285. I mean, that's a guy you want on the coming off the edge. And I always have an extra spot in my heart for players who come out after their senior season and they make it all the way. And, he, you know, I, don't, I, I assume he finished his degree. But I always like it when you come out, of the, come out of college with a whole bunch of experience. Playing at a big program for four years, is so, there's something to be said for that. 
and I always like those guys. I feel like they're a lot better prepared for the next level. So I'm all about it. I'd also like Basham at 53. Of all the names we've mentioned so far, this might be the most realistic in terms of being there. He was top five on Bruce Feldman's freak list over the past summer. He doesn't really have any athletic weakness. Although technically he's only 6'3", but for an edge rusher, 4'3", uh, defensive end, that's not an issue. He's got great speed. He ran a 4.62 at 270. Great agility scores. Great explosiveness. Great jumping scores. Productive. Just an absolute bull rusher off the edge. He's great against the run. He's really solid. It's just he's in that weird spot where he he's a bit small for a 4.3 guy. He's not the fastest off the edge for a 3-4 guy, so he's just pushed down draft boards a bit, and he's a bit older, but well-rounded athleticism, proven college production, proven scheme fit. I don't see the issue. Landon is half my age, and I think I had already wrapped up my college degree before he was born, but when he <laughs> tells me that <laughs> what I'm thinking is uh, is the right way to go, I, I feel validated, right? So I like um, – uh, Jamin Davis, the linebacker from UK, I think uh, J-Rob doesn't like a lot of one-year wonders, but that defense was good enough at, U- at UK that a good player had to be kind of the third and fourth linebacker for them. Jamin Davis, quickly, you guys have a thought on him. He kind of fits the mold of what we like. Quick, tough, really good in coverage, had a great year last year. Landon, did you watch any tape on Jamin Davis? Do you, do you see the fit there at 53 possibly? I do. The only issue is he probably had the best pro day of any linebacker. Right. And not just the literal testing numbers, just his physique. Have you seen the pictures of his abs, John? No, I have not. I try not to compare anybody's abs to mine. It's gorgeous. And with and with, <laughs> and with his offseason, awesome. he's almost a first-round lock now. So Jamin Davis is great, but if we're taking him, we're taking him at 22, and he might not even be there. Washington at 19 Ooh. makes a lot of sense. Wow. that Those must be some abs because – Wow. Oh, wow. Wait, no, I see him now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Landon, they are beautiful. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's, he's pretty cut up. I mean, it reminds me of uh, the, the twin selfie that uh, A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf posted. But Well, what did that turn out? So maybe that's what yeah, we right. need to understand. I <laughs> think, honestly, that video hurt them because people saw them. Well, you can't look like that and be a receiver. And what? <laughs> Landon, who do you like at 85? Spencer Brown, the super freak right tackle from Northern Iowa. He didn't play this past season because COVID canceled it, but 2019, he had good overall tape at the FCS level. He was able to go to the senior bowl. He played at left tackle. He graded out pretty well. And just, he's 6'8". He hits 34-inch benchmark. He ran a sub 5-second 40-yard dash. Great testing across the board. Just an absolute chiseled freak of an offensive tackle. And he's 6'8", 3'10". But he's more of a wall than a bulldozer just watching his film. At the FCS level, a guy of that stature should just be putting guys in the dirt every play. But he's happy just to wall him off, be just be a wall. And then pass protection, of course, any guy, 6'8", that big, is going to struggle with speed, struggle with his hips. But I think it's manageable. Those are the same issues we had with Jack Conklin and Dennis Kelly. And our offense schemed around that pretty well, and things turned out well. It's just FCS level out of football for a year, right tackle, just going to need some development. But you have to think that's why we signed Kendall Lamb. We're going to draft a guy in the mid-rounds, develop him like we did with Nate Davis. Yeah, I was going to say, it it certainly worked at guard. Yeah, the mid-season, we plug in the rookie, plug and play, just go on from there. Big fella, who do you like at 85? I don't think he's going to be there. But if, you know, I mean, we're in the land of hypotheticals right now. So... I really think we need to hit a tight end, and I really like Pat Fairmuth out of, out of Penn State. 
I watched a lot of tape of this guy. He is a skyscraper. I mean, you know, and he's so sneaky in coverage too, especially in the red zone. You'd think a guy that's six seven, you lose track of him, or, or you wouldn't lose track of him. But there's so many plays where he's just just kind of skirting through and untouched. But he's also a really good blocker, and we know how we like to utilize our tight ends as blockers and and also receiving threats. So I I really like Fairmuth in the draft, and honestly, I'm a little worried that we may not even draft a tight end in the, uh, this year. I think there might be some play for some, some veterans or free agents uh, via trade. So I, I don't know. We Obviously, we can't count on trades. But if I were willing to bet, um, I would tell all Titans fans to watch out for a potential trade to get a veteran tight end, and then we would pass on drafting one. I think that's smart. You never know. But we've developed tight ends, and over time, we haven't relied on young guys early. So I, I think that would probably fit our our recent history for sure. Uh, Landon, do you think uh, Farson will be there at 85? There's a chance, right? It's unlikely, but I can see it. I'm low on him. I think 85 is around the point where I'd start feeling comfortable about him. Maybe it's just his game film is generally boring because, like John said, good blocker, gets open, makes open catches. He's not that athletic to me. He's not that great after the catch. He makes the catch, but he's not really going to do a ton after. I see a lot of mocks that have the Jags taking him in the second, and I hope they do. Fryermuth, he's going to be a decent tight end. You don't draft decent tight ends on day two. That's all. That's just that's just my feelings with Fryermuth. Is he good? Yes. Is the co- is the opportunity cost of him c- compared to other players at more valuable positions, given that he lacks the explosiveness and physical upside to be a dominant tight end? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, we went, we've gone upside, obviously, when you look at Tadian recently uh, in the draft. Guys, it might take a while to come along. At 85 for me, I think a lot of uh, folks would kind of clamor for Nico Collins, the receiver from Michigan. I don't know if he's our type of guy. I think we need a guy that's uh, needs to, that can play in the intermediate as well. Kay Johnson, the wide receiver from. Uh, South Dakota State University, really productive player uh, at a smaller school and really productive at the Senior Bowl. Uh, sometimes that means nothing. and Sometimes it's, uh, it's shades of things to come. This guy has really tough slot receiver written all over him. And I think at 85, I think he fits kind of the Titan way. Looks the part, blocks well, would fit in with us well. What do you guys think of Kay Johnson? Uh, Landon, I, I know you've probably watched some film on him. It might be a bit early for him at 85, but it's impossible to predict how the wide receivers will shake up. And he also adds some special teams value as a return man. I don't really see the blazing speed, but like you said, he's dependable. He's tough. I think you can use him inside and outside. He's not just a slot guy if you're worried about versatility. At our comp pick 100, I'd feel better about K. Johnson just because I think he'd still be there. But K. Johnson is a solid player. Played at a good FCS program, was productive. But for yeah, me, I, I think yeah, I think hundred would be ideal. But at eighty-five, you start looking for kind of ready-made need picks. And if we haven't picked a receiver before that point, we're gonna need somebody to play next year. K. Johnson kind of fits that role for me. A pretty high floor for a, you know a third receiver next year that we'll probably need somebody in this draft to be at least our third receiver. I don't know enough about him. I haven't gotten to him yet. But I, honestly, at this point, we're in a hundred. I think if you fall in love with the guy, or at least to find the potential to to develop, I say you do it. You swing, and you swing hard. So if he's the guy, let's do it. All right, guys, pick 100. Uh, This is the Jack Conklin pick for him leaving and being good. Uh, (laughs) We haven't got a lot of these. And you know what? 
I think is a valuable pick. This is the historically the J Rob zone, right? Third, fourth, fifth round. So yeah, this guy makes two Pro Bowls. I won't be shocked. Whoever it is, who should we be looking for? What's a name we need to know for pick one hundred? A guy who's been one of my draft crushes for the last three years until he just tanked his pro day, just absolutely awful. Tylen Wallace out of Oklahoma State. In 2018, he was one of the three or four best receivers in the country. 2019, he gets hurt, tears his ACL, goes back to college. 2020 has a decent campaign, but he's 5'12", 195. He ran a 4'5". 5'12", what? Oh, yeah. So in college, 5'12", Wallace 6 was, foot. Oh, sorry. What is it? <laughs> sorry, take that from the top. 5'12 is not a thing. <laughs> uh, Landon just looks at the inches and divides by 12. I don't know. He's doing some fancy math thing over there. So at his pro day, Tylen Wallace measured in at 6 foot 195, only ran a 4.5, poor vertical and broad jump. And in college, he never really showed the speed, the separation. He was a jump ball, a physical guy, a tough, gritty run blocker, strong with the ball in his hands after the catch. And even though the testing doesn't back up the film, he shows some value as a jump ball vertical guy. And to me, it's like you said with Kay Johnson. He's tough. He's dependable. He plays inside, outside. More importantly, he's one of the better blocking receivers in this class, which, as we saw with Corey Davis, was an integral part of the offense. I don't think the Titans will let a guy play if he doesn't block. I really do, and I love that about us. And so I think when you're looking at guys like this, oh, well, he doesn't really block. It's like, well, he's not really going to play for the Titans. I really still believe that. <laughs> They're just not going to deal with that. Wallace's film, I just really love just all around. But the testing is really worrying. Just his physical profile with this poor explosiveness testing just doesn't say for a recipe for success. But I think at the very least, he can be a slot receiver. Like you said, he's good in the intermediate routes. He's good at moving the chains. He's tough with the ball. It'd be risky because, as we saw with injuries last year to Folden and Evans, he tore his ACL. His brother had to medically retire after tearing his ACL three times. There's some brittleness to his legs, but from what I saw in 2018 and 2019 pre-injury, he's really good. He's really productive. Putting off receiver until our fourth pick is risky, but given the depth of receiver and just how oversaturated the market is, I think it's a viable strategy. Big fella, who do you like at 100? So at 100, I've got a guy that Landon already talked about earlier. I think he's going to push down further. Spencer Brown, offensive tackle, Northern Northern Iowa. Like Landon talked about earlier, this dude is massive. He's six foot nine and 300 plus pounds, which, you know, at six foot nine, three, 300, uh, that's pretty light. I mean, you know, this guy can bulk up and he can be a, a gigantic, nasty tackle. But I heard about this guy, Sirius XM Radio, a while back. They were talking about him and in high school. He played... He can't, he went from uh, he went to a small high school and he played on his high school football team. They did an eight man team and you know he didn't get any offers in the state. Then you know he went to to Northern Iowa. So <laughs> he he played. He was a six foot eight tight end. So I just think he's really a cool dude. He you know obviously playing in a smaller conference and twenty twenty didn't work out so well with that. But I, I just think he offers a lot of upside. Which at this point you're t- I, I want to look for big ugly dudes who can make a team and hopefully have some, you know, uh, a long career. And, you know, maybe he's not a starter, but we saw how valuable our tackle depth was last year. So I think this guy is a swing for the fences kind of guy. Yeah, I got a swing for the fences too there. I like that pick. 
Yeah, I've heard a lot about him, so I don't know if he'll be there at 100, but you never know. But Stone Forsyth, Florida, he's an offensive tackle, just a mountain of a man. His dad played in the NFL. This guy played left tackle the last two years for Florida. I don't think a lot of people would see him as a a fit for the Titans. He's not a run-first guy, but he's got the frame. You know, he's about 6'8", so uh, it's hard for those guys to get the pad level and drive. But I could see him being a really good swing tackle for us. And I think if you're picking uh, pick 100, you'd love to see that. And we could definitely use some depth at tackle at this point, just with the injuries we've had and just who who we're going to put out there. Stone Forsythe, that's a name to keep in. I mean, the guy's got some really good tape, especially in pass percent protection. But I think he's got the mentality, the work ethic to get to get better as a pro. And he's certainly got the length and – the height, and I would just love for him to come to Nashville and get really, really, really strong like Jack Conklin really was when he got here, but uh, to get strong like that and just become a bulldozer. So Stone Forsyth. I also like Brady Christensen from uh, the tackle from BYU, but I just wonder if if he's not going to wind up maybe at guard, but uh, that that's another guy too. All right, we're on to pick 126, so we'll do these quickly, guys. Who do you guys like in the fourth round for the Titans? Tyree Gillespie, safety out of Missouri. Just a really well-rounded safety. No major strengths, no major weaknesses, no major athletic standing out, but a solid guy all around. Amani Hooker is going to take over for Kenny Vaccaro as a starter. Someone has to replace Amani Hooker, so Dane Crookshank is in our sixth defensive back. Get a guy who's solid. You can put him on the field. He'll make the tackle. He can cover. Doesn't really have the upside. I know we like to gamble on upside, but you can get a rotational piece on a defense that was really bad at a position where we have zero depth behind our two starters. We've taken safeties later in drafts, and they've worked out. I like Patrick Patrick Jones out of of Pittsburgh. At this point, I'm trying to take as many, like I I said earlier, uh, with the Brown pick, I'm taking as many nasty dudes that just really want to either block or get after the quarterback at this point. And, you know, they're developmental guys. This guy's not going to be a day one starter, but, you know, he might come in and really push some competition. He's a big, big dude. He's about 6'5", about 265 pounds. He's got a, almost an 80-inch wingspan. So, I mean, I'm looking for the guys like this. And, you know, he had a pretty decent career at Pittsburgh. We're not talking, uh, you know, SEC ball here, but I think he could bring a lot to the table, especially being under the wing of Bud Dupree and Harold Landry and, you know, kind of tutelage of Mike Frable. You know, he loves his defensive edge rushers and outside linebackers. And I, I think he's a guy that really we can develop into a really solid player, maybe a starter one day. I think we're going to look uh, like we always do, uh, and that's one reason why we do well this part of the draft. We just look for kind of the best player with the highest uh, ceiling available, a guy that slipped maybe because of a one physical attribute or whatever and make it work. Think uh, Jayon Brown. I think if he were taller, he would have certainly went before then. But he was an NFL player, um, and he had that written all over him. Uh, Bobby Brown, the interior lineman for Texas A&M, people think he'll go in the third. Uh, I could see him dropping to us in the fourth year. He's uh he's just a, a big guy, 6'4", 320. I just think we need more bodies in the middle. I think we need another rotational guy. I know we have Murchison. Look out for Bobby Brown. Uh, we could see him in third or fourth round. Another guy, but on the edge, Jonathan Cooper from Ohio State. Uh, I think there's always guys from big schools that were kind of overshadowed. I think he had some injury issues. I bet he's fully recovered uh, maybe we could see him in, in the fourth round. 
On to the fifth round, guys. Here we go. Now, we're just giving you names at this point. These guys could be fits for the Titans. Uh, in the fifth round at 166, uh, who do you like, Landon? Cam Sample, defensive end out of Tulane. Really productive senior. He went to the Senior Bowl, won defensive player of the game, had a great week all around. The issue is he's a bit undersized. He's not that powerful in the run game. And he bombed his agility testing, so he's in a weird spot where, as an edge rusher, I'm not really sure if you want him there, but on the inside, except on passing downs, can he really anchor and not be a run defense liability? But I, I like the overall physical tools as a, as a rotational piece, as a pass rusher on the inside. I think he can be productive. He can be just a role player on the defensive line. Daquan Jones earlier today signed with the Panthers, so that's the name for our defensive line depth that won't be coming back. So I think defensive line will be a bit more of a need, but it's obvious that we're not signing any defensive linemen for a reason. Big fella, who do you like in the fifth round? I like Chubba Hubbard out of Oklahoma State. He's a potential guy. Obviously, we need there's no no sign of stopping Derrick Henry, so I don't want anybody to freak out and say, "Oh my God, Big Fella wants to take us wants us to take a running back." And I still remember the draft when we took Derrick Henry. I was furious because we had just gotten Demarco Murray. I'm like, "Why the hell are we getting this this you know Heisman Trophy winner? Like what ridiculous? This is spoils of riches." And, and you know, even with the 17th game, who knows? Derrick Henry might go for 2,800 yards. I have no idea. Um, and the, it, Mike Rabel seems to think that he's not concerned about Derrick Henry's workload. But like we talked about earlier, we had a lot of high hopes for Darrington Evans. They didn't kind of come true. So I, don't know. I mean, he looked good when he was out there. He just needs to stay healthy. Yeah, he did. But you know, Chubba Hubbard. He's a. He's you know. Uh, maybe I mean, a more just like the name. Proven. I, I do love the name. I think he, <laughs> he's definitely on the 2021 NFL draft all name team. I mean, I, I remember texting you guys, God, it must've been a month or so ago. I was like, all right, I got a name for you on the all, all name team, Chubba Hubbard. <laughs> so I think a guy like this might be just an intriguing pick. And we've talked about it before. Once we get, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round where it's, it's, you know, scratch off tickets at this point right. um, and hoping somebody sticks to your roster. But there are um, good players there. You know, oh, for sure. Just not every pick, but there are good players. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Even if you get a good backup uh, at this point, that's something. Oh, wait, hold on. I just found out he's Canadian. It, it's not going to work for scratch. me. Scratch. Yep, forget it. You're done. Well, how about another o- Oklahoma State guy, Rodarius Williams, Greedy Williams' brother? He's a corner. Uh, he's limited, uh, I think, in his instincts, uh, but he played for a long time for them. And played well. We're going to. It wouldn't surprise me if we came away with two corners in this draft. Um, I think they'll do what they have to, and they're not going to panic. But if uh, we get here towards the end of the draft, I think they're they're going to be looking for corner if they can. Rodarius Williams. Uh, I think he's uh, good enough to get a look and, and be depth for us even even next year. All right, sixth round, pick two hundred five. Landon, who who do you like in the sixth round? Semi Fioco. Wide receiver out of Stanford. His college production is essentially non-existent for an NFL prospect, especially with J-Rob's pretty rigorous standards. I believe we're still at the point where every receiver he's drafted had 2,000-yard seasons. Fioco essentially had 1,000 yards in his career, but at his pro day, tested above average at everything. Ran a 4.45 at 6'3.5", 220. I wouldn't say a physical freak, but an imposing physical force at receiver. I don't want Cam Batson, Cody Hollister... And Nick Westbrook Akeen seeing the field zero times ideally. Maybe a couple plays a game, but right now our depth is awful, even with Tylen Wallace. 
need to push those guys down the depth chart. Get an athlete, a guy who who's unspectacular, but he has some raw tools. Maybe you can coach him up. At worst, he's a wide receiver four type where you're adding some juice, some athleticism on certain plays. Yeah, I like the idea of adding depth at receiver for sure, and that's kind of what I'm looking at for mine at pick 205. What about you, big fella? I think at this point, um, a guy I might be interested in, Shakur, Shakur Brown, cornerback out of Michigan State. Um, he's tiny, but, um, you know, again, at this point, I just want more depth at positions of need. So I think he fills that. And Michigan State, they put some pretty reliable players in the league. Um, obviously, the talent is there. The competition is there. He's physical. And I always love guys who aren't afraid to tackle. So I think he can, you know, don't don't be fooled by his size. He's 5'9 and 3 quarters and 185 pounds. But he's a guy we could look at late. It gets interesting at this level, but you, you're just kind of looking for uh, fit here. Um, I like Antonio Nunn. Uh, I think we could have him anywhere, sixth or seventh round. Buffalo, wide receiver, they put out some good players uh, on offense, especially lately. And uh, I think Antonio Nunn would fit us and has a high ceiling, I think, just for – depth uh, landon mentioned there's some guys he doesn't want to see catching passes and i think i think he could he he could be an upgrade errol thompson the linebacker i think will be available here from mississippi state and i think he has good potential and that's why i'm not really big on uh linebackers early because i think you can find a good linebacker you know anywhere in the draft if you're looking uh, for the right guy and for the right fit what about a 215 for you landon chris Frump, edge rusher out of duke he's pretty small he's 6'3 245 he gets pushed around the run game a lot. I do like his burst off the edge. As a pass rusher, I'd probably rate him as a fourth rounder. But the run defense and just his size and frame just pushed him down for me. We all know how bad our edge depth was last year. Bud Dupree coming off an injury. In this mock draft, I have us drafting Aziz Ojolari, still a rookie. You want to add depth. Roberson got hurt. I want to have Brooks Reed being our fourth Oh, God, edge I rusher. forgot about him. <laughs> I think at this point in the sixth round, if you're drafting a guy who has some NFL skill as a pass rusher on passing downs. You can hide him. He can be a rotational player. You're not going to throw him out there on rundowns. Third and longs is the only time Rump would see the field. That's okay. It's like with Chris Jackson. Chris Jackson should not have been a full-time starter. In bursts and in snaps here and there, he's fine. If you get a yeah, late he, round he pick, would have been a good fifth guy roster. last year, right? But, yeah, he had to be the third. And that yeah, he was really the fifth guy who had to be the second guy at some points. Right, exactly. And so I get your point there. I like the Duke guy. He is small, but I think if everybody stays healthy, that he'd be a good uh, kind of counterpunch to what we brought on. So uh, I'd be thrilled to get him here because he does have a, a skill set for sure. What about you, big fellow? I'm actually going Duke too, but a different player. I'm going with Victor Dimakuje. He's a senior at Duke, uh, edge rusher. He's got 21 and a half career sacks. He had three and a half sacks against Boston College and you know we bought we know Boston College that they're a tough program so I mean just the the ability for him to produce in pretty big games is something that I think is really important at this point I, I I'm telling you guys I'm if I'm GM I'm hitting edge rusher and defensive line as heavy as I can as often as I can after I address some cornerback needs well so it wouldn't hurt for sure <laughs> Absolutely not. Guys, for me, uh, Bryce Thompson uh, is a corner for from University of Tennessee. 
I mean, he looked good, and he graded out well this year. Um, he's not going to get drafted as high because I, I just don't think that defense looked good at all. But Tennessee and Michigan, underperforming colleges, I hate to put Michigan in with Tennessee because they've been much better. You know, there's talent there, and they usually get better when they leave. That's not a good sign. Like, nobody gets better when they leave Alabama and Clemson because they're, you know, <laughs> not to keep racking on UT. You know, I care about University of Tennessee and all that, and it's just kind of a mess. Bryce Thompson wouldn't surprise me. If he's a Cam Sutton type and he plays for years, it's a good nickel, and uh, maybe that'll be for us. So keep your eye on Bryce Thompson. I know that make a lot of our UT fans uh, happy there for sure. All right, guys, uh, last pick, 232. Who's uh, somebody that might be available around here? Here's Who's a shot in the dark? Even Chris Jackson, like we said, we, we just put him in a bad position. But we picked a guy in the seventh round, and you know what? He wasn't on some even draft stuff. We had to just look him up, I remember, on Marshall's website. <laughs> but he was good enough to stay on that team, and, uh, you know, he showed some guts. Who's a, who's an absolute scratch off this year uh, you'd like to see at the at the end of this draft? Pick 232, Landon. Avery Williams, special teamer out of Boise State. He's the best return man in this draft class. He had nine combined kick and punt return touchdowns in four years in college. Our special teams last year were lackluster. Khalif Raymond is gone, so we're losing that burst. Darrington Evans, I didn't see enough to feel confident about projecting him forward. And in the seventh round, you're not, if I'm drafting a guy to be a return man, that's good enough for me. I know some teams think you can find him an undrafted. You can make it work with scheme and coaching. But if a guy has over two return touchdowns a year, he's a good return man. Special teams matters. Just getting a boost at any position. In the seventh round for me, if I can get a guy that just makes an NFL roster, Avery Williams, he can make an NFL roster for us, be our return man, that's good enough for me. Big fella, he brings up the sad truth that uh, Easy e won't be back there uh, returning kicks and punts. Oh, uh, maybe, maybe one of these guys looks like uh, another, um, another legend <laughs> from our childhood, and we can move on from there. But we're going to miss Easy e uh. um, But he makes a good point. Let's find a guy that sticks, and that's a success. So you got a guy that you think could stick? Um, I'm thinking, you know, we t- I talked earlier about um, – who did I talk about? Quiddy Pay against Iowa, and – I think um, you just do the all-name draft pick. I think it's just – you do awesome names. <laughs> well, this Mine one's... is like Tom Jones sounds great, and yours is like Quiddy Pay. It's like <laughs> – no. Well, this one is – it's a, a, de- a unique first name, Alaric Jackson, um, offensive tackle out of Iowa – I, you know, Pay dominating Iowa isn't any indictment of Iowa because Iowa always puts out tough, hard-nosed players, regardless, especially on the offensive line. Um, so I always love those kind of offensive line picks. He's a big dude. He's 6'6", 315. Um, and at this point, we're drafting for rotational players. We're drafting for depth. And it, it tackle is one of those other big ones that, you know, we're always going to need constantly so i'm taking him you you definitely have a a soft spot for iowa i could see (laughs) most of us are going to retire to uh florida the north carolina mountains here Um, (laughs) you're going to go to iowa eat some darn right watching football you know you just are and i've been on that campus land and i have and it is a charming place and a lot of big old boys there so you know a lot of uh a lot of tough uh hard-working people there it's nothing when when you go I mean, when you go west of St. Louis, it is cotton farms until you get to Iowa City. I mean, that is not an exaggeration. Well, their and colors so are – they get it honest for sure. Colors are horrible. 
Disgusting color scheme. Yeah, <laughs> the black and gold. <laughs> Woof. Terrible. I love it. <laughs> uh, never change. All right. So for me, I think guys that would – I think a lot of scheme fit is good for depth, uh, putting these guys in, in the right position. Um, and hopefully these teams do that. Josh Ball, offensive tackle for Marshall, I think uh, could stick on this team as a depth uh, on the offensive line. Derek Forrest, uh, the safety from Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati's been so good the last couple of years. I know they're well coached, but they've got some NFL talent, especially on that defense. They have to. Uh, they've just played so well. So I'd like to see that guy stick. We are going to need some some depth on the, on the back end there. That's what we got, guys. Any follow-up notes from you two? You may have talked me into um, Basham in, 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 at 53. I really, really like that pick. And that's, uh, I mean, it's for me, it's a toss-up with you talking me into him and then if Asante Samuel Jr. is there, I think that would be a tough, tough spot for me. Yeah, Basham is a guy that I would like to root for, and I certainly always wanted to root for Asante Samuel <laughs> Sr. So I'd love uh, you know, uh five foot ten, one eighty five. That's exactly what I am. So <laughs> yeah, I, I think either one of those guys I get excited about everyone that y'all talk about because y'all y'all say it well. It's football, I imagine them in two tone blue. I'm like, Yeah, let's do it. I wish we had forty <laughs> picks, but Nine days away from the draft, it's hard to really see. It's just hard to see a path where the draft breaks down in a way where we walk out of there unhappy unless just what J-Rob thinks and what we think is just completely out of line. It feels like this year, the depth (laughs) at positions we need matches up with the depth of the draft. The depth at positions we don't need matches up with positions of strength. The teams ahead of us don't really have similar needs, so we shouldn't be getting sniped a ton. I feel pretty good. Lynn, I've I, I've heard this before, and I've seen you pretty pissed on draft night. Well, I've never I've never heard him say that explicitly though. Uh, what he just said, and he he makes a good point. We can come away, and you guys weren't mad at the end of the draft. Y'all were just mad at the end of the first round. Yeah, I was mad at the end. Of uh, he was okay with the draft, but you know, and and I get that that first round uh, was shocking. We had no idea how shocking it was going to be. But you guys were both mad, and for good reason. I mean, it just um, – I tried to see the point, and uh, I, I see even now what a disaster it was. He thought, if this guy, we get him in here and we develop, this guy is a monster, and we just – all we need is just a freight train at right tackle. We don't need him to be a dancing bear. We don't need anything. If we, he come, he's a one-trick pony, but one good trick – but he couldn't do that. I mean, he it was whatever. So I at least saw it, but it was a reach at every level. Yeah. Well, and it doesn't really matter in the end because I was still wrong. I really wanted Jeff Gladney. And guess what? Jeff Gladney's about to be out of football just like Isaiah Wilson, just like Akeem Butler, my wide receiver one in 2019. So <laughs> take my evaluations with a grain of salt. Right, Sometimes so I Nathan, hit, but at the well, top, no, I do no, not nobody trust hits me. a thousand. Edit all of Landon's picks out of this podcast. <laughs> That's the only well, thing we can do. We we all know where Landon has been right. Both <laughs> you, both of your credit. You guys have been right about guys that I hadn't really heard of. I mean, everybody can say, well, you know, I think Trevor Lawrence would be pretty good. And it's like, oh, thanks, Professor. <laughs> it's like, I want Landon to be like, yeah, Eddie Jackson's been hurt, but he's going to be awesome. And let, uh, John, you've said the same thing about your uh, man crush that Desmond came to our team. And guys, he was actually these here. These guys are Pro Bowl players, and they <laughs> they went, you know, in the third day or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, you can be hard on yourself, Landon, but we, do, we don't hit 100%, and we learn from those mistakes as much as we can. And I hope that uh, – and I know last year was sobering for J-Rob and the whole front office, and I bet they're geared up and ready to go. 
the names we've given you today, it does help because it kind of gives you a feel for the players, like Landon said, for the depth that's out there at the positions we need. And it's just fun to get going. Uh, this is a great time to be just a football fan because you can YouTube these guys and see their tape and a bunch of nerdier guys with a lot more time with us and really good audio visual skills have put a lot of really good, there's a lot of bad, boring ones, but I mean, I just like the prime data. Here's every catch. Here's every pass from last season. There's just so much stuff. It's just a great rabbit hole. You can go for hours and you can really get a feel for who these players are, or at least who they were uh, in college. It's just a lot of fun. I heard something today about, some movement within the top three, some shocks in the top three, and I wanted to get your opinion. I saw it was Miami and Philly that were rumored trade teams, which was odd. I didn't hear anything in the top three. Well, I heard that San Francisco may blow the doors off and take uh, Kyle Pitts at three. <laughs> get the heck out of here. I'm, no? I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. That's what I heard today on the drive home. I was like, you got to be Mel Kuyper and every media guy would be vindicated for having Pitts as their number two prospect. <laughs> okay, so you guys know how I feel about Pitts. I think he's going to be really good, but I think he's Darren Waller. He's not Gronkowski. I mean, yes, oh. he's good. I watch a lot of his tape. <laughs> Darren Waller is pretty he doesn't, good. I know he's really, really good, but I wouldn't trade three first-round picks for him. Look, he doesn't do that elite, elite tight end thing where he catches the ball and just bowls people over or just uses his explosive athleticism to just jump over, jump around, guys. But he g- turns his head back and catches like a very, very good wide receiver. Yeah, like like Waller does. He finds space. He looks back. He catches in traffic. He's great. But I don't know that he's Kittle or Gronkowski, so I want people to kind of, um, you know, pump the brakes on that. But, you know, Waller is probably the third best tight end uh, in the NFL, and I, and I think he has that potential, you know, and pretty, also, with a pretty high floor. And also with the rumors that – the 49ers were trying to shop Garoppolo looking for a first. It's just obvious that they're taking quarterback. Whoever, John, wasn't an anonymous report as their source? Um, this one was on SiriusXM where they were breaking uh, a GM in the league and what he thinks might happen. And they were kind of making the point that you put Kittle and Pitts on the Niners with Ayuk there. And, and Debo. They, and they, and Debo. He's healthy. Right, and, and Debo, and you hang on to Jimmy G and Jalen Hurd comes back, then they might be willing to hang on to Jimmy G in that, in that scenario. Shanahan and Lynch are too smart for that. Well, like, I think Lynch is kind of a dummy, but... <laughs> and that's not like I really followed the 49ers drafts, but they've followed the philosophy of what position matters, what positions don't. Like They took yeah. Solomon Thomas, who was a reach. I didn't think he was that good, but they took a pass rusher, they, and they did it right. again and again. They, they don't draft... The unvaluable. Wait, but their defense they was they, pretty. They, they do the philosophy that I have. I mean, and and it's worked well for them because even when they've busted out, they've been depth. Like under, and, yeah, under Shanahan, uh, I think they've only drafted like the valuable position. Like they've drafted, they drafted receivers and pass rushers. That's pretty much all they've done so far, I think. And I guess the first year they drafted Reuben Foster and Solomon Thomas. Since then, they've only drafted the quote unquote valuable positions. I don't care if Kyle Pitts was the best tight end prospect ever. I, I wouldn't trade three firsts for him. No, absolutely not. Uh, you would have to. I would have to be able to see into the future and see that he's Pete Gronk. Or and why Pete would they Kel do Winslow. that? They have Kittle. Well, I mean, just imagine the pandemonium that would happen when that did, if that were to happen. 
I think whoever they like, they're trying. It wouldn't surprise me. Or maybe they just really like Mac Jones all along. Ugh. But to, honestly, the Jets, as blah as they are, well, as soon as I traded up with like a month ago, I would, if I were Kyle Shanahan, I'd be like, look, we are not going to even show remotely who we're going to pick because the Jets might panic and pick them. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so that's why because we're a good team and they're garbage and they might whatever. <laughs> so if it's like, oh yeah, we the 49ers really like uh, Fields and we were like talking to him and taking him out to dinner and doing all this spending time. You think the idiot Jets might be like Joe Douglas would be like, oh man, whatever. I mean, you never know. So they should be like hardcore bluffing right now, whatever they're doing, and maybe this is it. Because or they're you're trying right. to even if like Jets. even if like Mike Ditka or uh, <laughs> Tony Gonzalez, uh, you know, reborn. I mean, I don't know if I'd give up three first rounds even for them. Yeah, it's just you wouldn't. You wouldn't give if, up three first for Gonzalez. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I thought I think he's incredible, but it's never like man, they would have never won that championship without Tony Gonzalez. It's like, well, he's great. I mean, he's so great, but quarterbacks and a team of just awesome pass rushers win championships and yeah the thing about good tight ends is most of them weren't first round picks and you get them at a huge value either because they were historically not paid that well or they're on their rookie contract or a good good, uh, second contract and it's like they're really even Gronkowski you know the Patriots won a Super Bowl when he was hurt and yeah he was he's maybe the greatest one to ever live as far as his prime but yeah I mean I I just don't think it's like a Super Bowl championship deciding position. I think it helps tremendously. I think it's so great. But no, I think you got to find a quarterback and some pass rushers. Yeah. They're yeah. T- if it weren't this quarterback draft class, like if it were 2016 when it was Goff and Winston and nobody, and you know you weren't getting them, well, one, they wouldn't have traded up to three. But if it weren't where there is depth at the position of biggest need, then maybe, maybe I could see Pitts even though two first to pick Pitts would be too much, but you, you're getting one of Wilson, Fields, or Lance, I think. I don't think Mac Jones is a realistic. At the worst, you're getting four years of a cheap rookie contract, and that's how the contenders are being built now. Right. The Ravens, right. the Chiefs, the Bills, the best teams outside of the teams that have walking Hall of Famers have good rosters. They make a trade-up for a quarterback. They make the right gamble. And then their quarterback is super cheap. He becomes top 10. He becomes a, maybe the most valuable asset in that season. And you're just really good because guess what? You don't have to spend money at a position that's going to take up 20% of your cap like Patrick Mahomes is about to. Well, if they pick Trey Lance at three, I think Trey Lance is the by far the biggest risk in this draft. And I think that he will be the worst passer in the NFL in his first three seasons. But him and Kyle Shanahan's offense would be – Awesome to watch because I'm telling you, the guy runs like Eddie George. I mean, the guy's un- unreal. He- he'd be a good, he'd be tall, but he'd be a good running back. So either way, uh, they're going to be fun there. Maybe they do pick Mac Jones, but I cannot wrap my head around that. Uh, maybe it's a giant bluff for Justin Fields, who I think with all the criticism, I think he deserves to be, you know, the third pick in this draft because I think he'd be really good for them. Yeah. Even though I have Lance higher than Fields, Fields is the better pick for San Francisco. But I will say, Lance with a year development or whatever, I don't think he's that much worse than Garoppolo as a passer because Shanahan's system is just so easy. And Garoppolo, even with all of that, is still a highly volatile passer. And then you're adding a top three rushing quarterback. 
I feel like Garoppolo, this doesn't happen a lot. I feel like they should keep him another year and just he will inevitably get hurt next year and then the new guy can come on. But before then, the other guy, you know, will, will have time to learn and grow kind of in the system. I mean, because they're not going to get like a super high pick for him. May, mm-hmm. Maybe a second from a panicking t- panicking team. They're not getting a first. I mean, but they're not going to get a first. I really don't think so. So they'll be um, lucky to get a pick in general just because cap space is so tight in the teams yeah, that 23 million. A- he, he would have to restructure. So that means he would have to yes or no there. I mean, if you're looking to move him, I guess you have to ask for a first, right? You have to at least start the game. Yeah, but well, big fella, I know this is your time because we got nine days to go. So this is like <laughs> conspiracy theory heaven. Of you course. get into your truck to go home. <laughs> Nathan, and there's just you wanna... like all kinds of nu- just craziness uh, spewing out of like satellite radio, and you're just like you loving it. Like Kyle Pitts at third. I mean, yeah, they're gonna do that. And it's like, I don't oh know yeah, well, it's, like, it's incredible. You love this stuff. But well, this is where GMs just start whisp. They start their whisper campaigns of just really nutty stuff, and it's just like so fun because so you can't separate fact from fiction. Nobody oh, can. Th- yeah, you can. There's not even a chance. It's just like, oh my god. And one of my favorite things I was telling you guys about it. They uh, on Sirius XM NFL their channel. They do their mock drafts where um, Pat Kerwin and Jim Miller they switch team by team. And they do it for like weeks on end all the way up to the draft. And they do the first round usually. Sometimes they'll go into the second and the third. And they'll have fans call in. They consult with the pick. And I mean, it's incredible. It's just so much fun. And it's like, what if they did this? And then they play it out. And it's like, all right. Well, that's our time. Uh, You guys can tell we really enjoy this time of year. We love throwing around these names. Thanks for being with us. This is how our podcast works. We've never advertised. Uh, we have a really big following because you guys send our stream on Spotify or iTunes or Amazon Podcasts. However you listen, you forward that to a friend and tell them how handsome we sound uh, over a podcast. <laughs> and that's how we've grown. So we appreciate you doing that. We hope that you'll keep doing that. Follow us, subscribe to us, rate us if you feel like being nice. Guys, it's nine days away, so we'll be back with you as soon as we can with just more NFL draft stuff. Until then, guys, tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up.